Anyway, Judges chapter 6, we've been going through a series uh, looking at people's uh, uh, roads, the walks of life. Right? God, God brings us through paths of life. And what is it? He's always preparing us. <clears throat> He's always preparing us to be used in other people's lives. Right? You know those experiences you don't like? Those trials you've gone through? The hurt that people have brought into your life? The pain that people have brought into your life? I'm not talking about... I, I, I know there's times we... Uh, of, of our own choices, we bring a lot of turmoil into our life sometimes, don't we? But I'm not talking about those. I'm talking about the things that God allows in our life and the trials. You know, He intends to use them in our life if we'd allow Him. And, and, and if we would get that down, not only would we view the trials differently, right? It'll encourage us as we go through them. Trusting God, you're going to use this. I don't know how right now, but you're going to use this. Somebody that is going to cross my path, somebody that you're going to allow to cross my path is going to need what I've gone through, and I'm going to be able to direct them right to you, right? He wants to use us that way, amen? And so he brings us through these, these areas. We're looking at Judges chapter 6, and of course today we're going to look at the life of Gideon. The life of Gideon, and uh, what, a, what, a neat, what a neat life this was, and uh, Jumped into something he didn't really want to do, didn't think he could do. And we're going to look today how the Lord worked in his life. Look at Judges chapter 6 verse 1. The children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian seven years. Right? If you feel like you're under bondage of something, yeah, right. it could be because, listen, this is, we lose battles. We lose spiritual battles generally because there's sin in our life. You think, isn't, aren't the battles like, you know, no, sometimes we're losing battles because we're not dealing with another sin that's in our life. If we are, if, if, if we are living rightly, you'll find out the Christian life is a life of victory, not a life of defeat. And if you, if you found, I mean, yeah, there's skirmishes every day we have problems. But if you find yourself continually losing a battle, there's something else somewhere that you need to, you need to ask the Lord. Okay, what, why am I losing battles all the time? Why am I losing? Israel was losing battles. They were under bondage of Midian because they had walked away from the Lord somewhere. And the hand of the Midian prevailed against Israel and became, and because of the Midianites, the children of Israel made them the dens which are in the mountains and caves and strongholds. So here's Israel hiding from somebody that they have every ability and power to be victorious over. Some people hide from from things in their own life. They, they, They can't deal with them. They feel like they can't get victory over them. So they figure out ways of hiding from them, right? How, how do people hide from stuff today? Right? Yeah. The phone. There you go. Boy, isn't that a good way to hide? Just kind of, just kind of check out from life and and sit there. And I mean, it's boy, isn't that easy to do? And sometimes it's like, oh, this. I just want to. I just don't want to think about anything, right? And uh, your phone, entertainment, all sorts. There's all sorts of things. In ways that we, um, there's, <laughs> you want help? Um, there we go. That's, that's what really gets you. Couldn't have asked for better timing. Yeah. And no, I didn't plan that. So anyway, people, people get, uh, uh, 
they get, uh, what was the word I was looking for? Anyway, uh, they hide. They hide from problems and they hide from things. And so this is where Gideon is here. Instead of, instead of being victorious, they're living in mountains and caves and hills and they're hiding. There's a story of a parakeet named Chippy. Chippy the parakeet. And uh, as the story goes, I may just read it for you, but it said he never saw it coming. Said one, there's that one moment old Chippy was in his cage and he was peaceful, enjoying his, his little toys and enjoying his, his food or whatever he was doing and all in just an absolute instant. He was sucked in, washed up, blown over. He was just, boom, he was gone out of his cage. Poor Chippy. What had happened? Well, his brilliant owner decided to clean the cage out with a vacuum cleaner. And uh, stuck that hose in the vacuum cleaner, and before he knew it, there goes there goes Chippy, you know. And uh, the the owner was pretty frantic. Got the vacuum cleaner opened, and and there was Chippy in there, kind of just dusted over. And it was alive. He was alive, but he was sitting in there, and uh, and uh, he was pretty stunned to say the least. And so. The owner grabbed him, she grabbed him, took him to the bathroom, washed him off, got him all cleaned up, held him under the running water. And then, he, then she realized Chippy was soaked and shivering, so she pulled the hair dryer out and blew him dry. Right. Yeah. No, no. He never knew it hit him. I mean, uh, but he no. Chippy lived. And uh, they said for a few days after the trauma, here's the text, the quote, the, the reporter who had initially written about this contacted Chippy's owner to see how the bird was recovering. Well, she replied, Chippy doesn't sing, to, doesn't sing much anymore. He just sits and stares. <laughs> yeah. You ever feel like that in life? Do you ever have something hit you, blindside you, and the song is gone and all you're doing is just staring? You're just staring. So how do you move past that? That's the, we don't like living there, right? We don't live staring out the window. Uh, when the kids had kind of all been out of the house and Sherry didn't quite know what to do with herself and, and she had just kind of, you know, she always had a lot to do every day with the kids. And I was working. I think I was out of town as normal and I called the house. I said, what are you doing? And she goes, oh, just staring out the window, eating string cheese. Okay, I mean, life had kind of blindsided. She didn't know what to do at the time, and she's just staring out the window, right, eating mozzarella string cheese, right? I just, I don't know if you've been there before, but God doesn't intend us to stay there. That's not what he wants. And so here we come into the life of Gideon. He lived during the time of the Judges. The book of Judges is such a bizarre book. If you've read through it many times, sometimes you shake your head at what actually happened through the book of Judges. And it's, a, and it's a great eye-opener of what life looks like when you walk away from God. There's a five-fold cycle in the book of Judges. If you want to write this down, you can remember it. The five, there's a five-fold cycle in the book of Judges. It goes this way. Sin, then servitude. They get, they get, they're in the Midian, they're with the Midianites now. They're in bondage. Servitude supplication, they cry out to God eventually, okay, we don't like this, right? Okay, I'm getting tired of this. And then salvation comes, he'd send a judge, he'd raise up a judge, he's going to raise up Gideon, and then there'd be silence. There'd be peace in their life. 
Sometimes it'd be 20 years like Samson. Sometimes it'd be 40 years like we'll see here with Gideon and Samuel and some of the others. But, in, but you'll watch this. That cycle happened all through this time of the book of Judges. They'd come into silence. And what would happen again after silence? Sin. Then servitude. Then supplication. Then salvation. Then silence. Over and over and over and over again. And you know the book of end, Judges end, ends this way, right? And every man did that which was right in his own eyes. That's the problem. That's the problem. And so here we are in the book of Judges. And we're finding a man that God is going to raise up. That he's going to use. Uh, not only to help his own life. But to work in the life of Israel. Listen, what God is working in you. He intends it not just for us. right? We're pretty, we're pretty self-centered when we go through things. And that we never kind of stop and consider. Maybe this isn't just for me. Maybe the trial isn't just for me. Maybe it's also for somebody else that needs help too, right? But no, what do we do? Oh, poor me. Oh, I don't like this. Oh, I hate this. Oh, I don't, you know. I mean, I've, I've probably been like that this week, right? And maybe you have too. I mean, you know what I'm talking about, right? And we need to stop and think about that. And so Gideon lived during the time of the judges. They were out of the will of God, right? And... Uh, for 339 years, the, I have down here, 339 years was from the days of Moses and Joshua until the time of Saul. For 339 years, they lived with judges ruling over Israel. And so verse 6 tells us that they were in constant fear and constant uh, impoverishment. They, they, they are greatly, look at the verse 6, impoverished because of the Midianites and the children of Israel cried unto the Lord. There's their supplication. They're, they're, they're in bondage. They're in servitude. Now here comes the supplication and God saves them. Aren't you glad? Even in the midst of your sin, even in the midst of your disobedience, even in the midst of your backsliding, listen, God always hears a repentant, humble cry. He always comes. And God raised up Gideon. Don't we see this in our own day? I mean, you look at the Midianites, you look at where Israel was in bondage, and we're kind of living there, aren't we? How many people are just walking through life dazed, just staring, shocked? They don't even know how to explain. How, how many, I mean, if you've been on the planet, say, 40 years or longer, right, maybe 50 years or longer, I mean, you're just looking at our nation dazed and shocked at where we are, right? I, I'm telling you, I mean... Uh, I could go on a list of things that we just we can't believe. We can't believe the transgender issue. We can't believe that people have trouble trying to figure out what gender they are. I mean, we can't believe that it's. Uh, I saw a little thing the while a while back. It said this. This was great. Uh, um, the 1990s, the world said, "Don't homeschool your kid; they'll be weird." In 2023, kids are the kids are in school believing they're cats and dogs, right. literally. Yeah, so who's the weird ones, <laughs> right? I mean, we just sit back. Kids are literally going to school. I found out from Mike and some of the other. They actually go to school with ears on, and they are identifying as cats and dogs. And I think some schools are actually giving them places to use the restroom and certain types of food. They're a common. It's like, you're, what is wrong with people? And you sit there and you go, you're just dazed. It's crazy. It's like the, the whole country needs some real... Well, they need Jesus is what they need. They don't need psychiatric help. They need the Lord Jesus Christ. And hey, listen, you can see in the life of Solomon, when you get far enough away from God, you go nuts. You do some crazy stuff. 
And some of the craziest things people do are those that are in Christ and walking away from him, right? They're just absolutely insane. 2002, the state of Louisiana was sued by the ACLU. You know why they were sued? Because they were teaching students abstinence. Abstinence. Well, you know how you don't get pregnant? It's really simple. You know how you don't get diseases? It's really simple. Right. Exactly. Abstain. It's bad when the world understands this, right? Rush Limbaugh would say, abstinence works every time it's tried. (laughs) It always works, (laughs) right? And so the ACLU sued them because they said that... that, and it was an article in, the, in, in, in a publication that said this, that sexually transmitted diseases are not a moral issue. <laughs> in other words, being immoral is not immoral. Well, that's weird. That's what, that's what they said. Right? Sexual promiscuity is not, an, is not a morality issue. So in 1970, there's 200,000 in, people in prison. You know how many are in prison in 2008? I don't even know the recent one. I didn't even look it up. To, to get a recent one, but in 2008, there's 1.5 million people in prison. 200,000 in 1970, 1.5 million in 2008. It's crazy. It's crazy. So we could go on and on in our own society. We could look at this world stunned. We could look at the world dis- disillusioned, discouraged. Right? You ever get to the stage of life and going like, what is left to do? Who cares? <laughs> right? Yeah. It's tough. Yeah. But we're going to see in the life of Gideon that uh, God is using these times of our life even. We can move past the discouragement. We can move past the depression. We can move past the... I can't even move because I'm staring because I can't believe what I'm watching in society. We can get past that, Right? Listen, if Jesus has said, you know, I will build my church, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. If he intends to come back for the saints, which includes those who are a member of his church, the bride. If he's got, listen, it's, if the church is still here, people are still getting saved, right? I mean, there's never going to be a time. So listen, we can get outside of the disillusionment as bad as it gets and realize uh, the gospel can still go out. And I learned this as I, as I watched these churches in Australia just recently, I've, I've seen uh, churches in all of my travels all over the U.S. You know, I've found out the gospel works everywhere it's tried. Everywhere it's preached, the gospel works. And it's still working today. So, notice this, the paralysis of fear, verse 22 and 23. Chapter 6, verse 22 and 23. And when Gideon perceived that he was an angel of the Lord, Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, for because I have seen an angel of the Lord face to face. In verse 23, and the Lord said unto him, Peace be unto thee, fear not, thou shalt not die. Did you catch the, the, the words here? And when Gideon perceived that he was an angel of the Lord. Now look at verse 23. And the Lord said unto him, Peace be unto thee, fear not, thou shalt not die. He said, I have seen an angel of the Lord face to face. And the Lord spoke to him. Who was this? It's the Lord Jesus Christ, called a Christophany. It's Jesus in the Old Testament. It was Jesus who was one of the three angels that walked up to Abraham. Remember? And uh, Abraham began to discuss with him about 
taking out Sodom and Gomorrah. And he kept saying, Lord, you know, just hold on. You know, it was Jesus Christ. It was Jesus Christ. Here he is here. He's coming to Gideon. I, I, I would love, I would love it if Gideon, and remember Jacob, when he wrestled with God, and he called it Penuel because he said, I've seen God face to face. Who did he wrestle with that night? Well, he's wrestling with the Lord Jesus Christ, right? I dare say Gideon and Jacob and, and uh, Abraham, if they, if they, they had wandered onto the scene at 2,000, 4,000 years later at Calvary, and would have wandered up Golgotha and would have seen him hanging there. They'd have said, well, that's him. <laughs> that's him. That's who I wrestled with. Thankfully, they got to see him before he ever, before Jesus ever came, was born to the Virgin Mary. They already got to see him. Yep, they, that's, that's a neat thought. But notice this command here to fear not. It's given all throughout the word of God. When Jesus comes, fear not. Right? When, 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 uh, when, when angels appear when they uh, uh, into the tomb, the angels of the tomb, fear not. I mean, why? Because it creeps you out. You walk in and there's some angel standing there. Now, I don't know what he looked like. Obviously, he looked in such a fashion that Gideon was kind of like, uh-oh, what is this? Right? This isn't normal. Okay? And so, here it is. He says to us to fear, fear not. The circumstances that Gideon was looking at face to face brought fear rather than trust. It caused him to hide. The circumstances he was living in caused him to hide. He was living in fear. There's researchers at John Hopkins University. They reported, this was almost 30 years ago, listen to what some of the greatest fears of kids were in school. They had done this, they had studies 30 years ago. Animals, afraid of animals, dogs, right? Afraid of bears. They're afraid of animals, afraid of being in a dark room. These, these are grade school children, right? Afraid of being in a dark room, high places. You're like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> I don't like high places still. Strangers and loud noises, right? Bang! <laughs> they don't like that. They jump. And uh, so those are what they're afraid of. You know what they're afraid of today? Listen to this. Listen to this. Of course, number one, divorce. I get that one. Yep. Over half the country. Nuclear war. Yep. Do you know, do you know people are going uh, just absolutely crazy with when the, the war with Israel first started? People were screaming, we, we are going to be led into World War III. And they were terrified. These are grade schoolers. Grade schoolers are thinking of divorce, nuclear war, cancer, pollution. Well, where do they get that from? Well, they're wacko. Anyway. And then number five, being mugged. Being mugged. When uh, our niece was living with us here for a little while, of course, she grew up in Kensington in Philadelphia. And then in Australia in the city in Melbourne. And uh, she was around the house, and I said, hey, well, she's going to go to the gym. I said, go take a walk. It's beautiful. You don't have to go to the gym. She goes, no, no way. There's animals out there. I was like, you grew up in a neighborhood of, like, guns going off. And she goes, oh, that doesn't, that doesn't scare me. I'm more worried about animals than I am guns. <laughs> okay, whatever. <laughs> this is one of being mugged. I mean, this is grade schoolers, right? So the opposite, what is the opposite of fear? 
Love, yeah, perfect love casts without fear, for fear hath torment. Excellent, I like that. There's another one I'm looking for too. It starts with an F. Faith, good job. The opposite, another opposite of fear is faith. God doesn't call us to live in the spirit of fear. He's given us the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father, right? And so notice the contrast. Faith weakens, or uh, fear weakens, faith strengthens, right? Uh, fear imprisons. I mean, are, are people not imprisoned by fear? I mean, COVID was an excellent example of that. P- do you know how much of the country went out? And I know it's, it's late, enough, late enough in the game we can say this now. Do you know how many people went out and got a jab and had no idea what it was going to do to them down the road? Right? We had an we a, a, uh, anesthesiologist that was coming here for a while, and he quit his job as an anesthesiologist at the hospital here in Springfield because he refused to give that jab. He said, there's no way. He goes, I take the data out. It's blank. There's nothing on it, on the data from the federal government. And uh, he said, I think it's immoral to have your DNA changed. God created your DNA. I was like, wow, I hadn't thought about these things. But no, what, what was that? What did, the, what did the world do and the government do? Fear. Fear, right? Uh, it imprisons people. It paralyzes people. It disheartens people, right? It's like, ugh. Yeah, hypochondriacs, they don't leave the house. They're, I mean, just what's the point of going on? Makes some people sick, absolutely sick with fear. But what does faith do? Faith strengthens us. Faith liberates us. Faith empowers us. Faith encourages us. And faith heals us. There's a healing power in faith. Think about that. Yeah. My brother had a great saying. <laughs> I'll use you as an example. He would go up and take naps every once in a while, and I guess mother thought he was gone and ran away. I don't, I don't remember. This was a long time ago, about 1981 maybe. And she was calling the neighbors. I'm sorry. She was a mom. She was calling the neighbors. Have you seen Chris? And have you? And you were running around the house. And he comes walking down from upstairs. And I remember he went, where have you been? And he's like, I was up taking a nap. <laughs> I've been looking everywhere. Remember his famous words? Mom, paranoia will destroy you. <laughs> paranoia will destroy you. Yeah, and uh, yeah, he was never a mother, was he? He didn't know. And so, fear. We're talking about fear is paralyzed, and it leads to isolation. And this is what this is what um, Gideon was at. Look at verse eleven. The angel of the Lord came and sat under the oak, which is an Ophrah, and that pertaineth unto Joash and the Abiezrite. And his son Gideon threshed wheat by the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. The Mid- Watch, they were in such control over Israel, these Midianites, that the, their normal task to get food and to eat, they had to do it secretly so they wouldn't be found out. So they wouldn't get the food, I guess. Isn't that crazy? Midianites. You know, hey, do you know who the Midianites are? They are the lineage of Abraham through his concubine Keturah. Yeah. Of course, not of the promised seed, right? But this is, this, is who the, this is who the Midianites are. And he's hiding. He's isolated. He's alone. He's afraid. There's this guy, there's a story told of this guy. Who was, him and his wife were on vacation, and, and he had gone out to take a, a hike out in the woods from the cabin, and, and uh, he had gotten back 
from, the, the, from his walk and walked into the cabin. And, I mean, he's scratched up and cut up and bruised up. And his wife's like, what on earth happened? And he said, well, I met a snake on the trail. And she goes, none of them are poisonous where we are. There's no poisonous snakes here, right? And she's like, don't you remember? <laughs> it's like they looked into it, I guess. I don't, there's no snakes. And uh, the ranger told them, I guess, though they looked it up. I don't know. And uh, he said this, they don't have to be poisonous to cause you to jump off a 20-foot cliff. <laughs> Fear. The snake didn't do any damage. Watch. It was the reaction of fear that did the damage. Do you know how often in our life we get damaged, not by the thing we fear, but by the fear itself, in our reaction to it, right? So, here it is, fear leads to isolation. Also this, in verse 13, fear leads to discouragement. It leads to isolation, but it leads to discouragement. Look at verse 13. Gideon said unto him, O my Lord, if the Lord be with us, then why has all this befallen us? Where be all his miracles which our father told us of, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord hath forsaken us and delivered us into the hand of the Midianites. You know, uh, uh, Gideon is of a generation that he knows no different. Think of this. There is sin that is accepted within the Israelites that is so normal, he doesn't know what the difference is. This is do you know where we, there is a generation coming along in churches that have no idea what sin is? You know what some of the re- problem is? Because the old people have shut their mouth because they don't care anymore. No, I'm going to say it. You don't care. You don't want to rock the boat. You don't want to make the kids upset. You don't want to make the grandkids upset. Somebody needs to sit up and go, you know, that's wicked. You know, that's sin. You know, we're not going to talk like that around the house. No, we, I'm sorry. We want you over. We want you to come. But you can't come over here talking like that and acting like that and because it's wrong. It's wrong, right? Listen, there, there's a generation that does not know. He had no clue why. They, it's like he didn't know why God had forsaken him. Well, it was because of sin. But he didn't know that. He was discouraged, right? And when we, listen, when we let fear into our life, into our hearts, when we let fear operate, Fear of what the kids may think. Fear what the neighbor may think. Fear what the coworker might think, right? When we let fear operate our life, we come to a place of discouragement. You know how many Christians are discouraged in the way just because they've stopped speaking truth to the lost around them? Yep. It, it actually it affects you. The thing that you're more worried about of the rejection, you, yeah, okay, fine, you don't have the rejection, but now you're dealing with discouragement instead of rejection. Well, you'll find out rejection, you can live more encouraged in rejection than you can in discouragement from not saying anything, from living faithless, a faithless life. Things need to be said, right? Psalm 89, Lord, where are thy former loving kindnesses which thou swear unto David in thy truth? What happened? Well, sin was let in. And here's, here's what happens. He's living in discouragement. Hey, some of us are going to be off the planet and that generation after us are going to live, live in the byproducts, the byproducts of sin and they're not going to even realize it. It's normal, right? What's wrong? We, we think this is crazy, right? Our grandparents, great-grandparents would look at where we live today and go, what on earth? You know what we're going to do if we would live long enough? We would come back, we would come back to this planet if it lasts that long and look at our great-great-grandchildren and go, how can you think 
uh, you know, changing your gender is the no, is as normal as anything. How can you think that this is a this is a what's what's the whole thing they're doing now? Um, um, a civil right issue. This is what they're doing. It's 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 now a civil rights issue, and we're we're aghast at this. But I'm telling you, in three generations, they're going to think it's as normal as anything. And we would be totally shocked. Can I tell you, your great-grandparents would be shocked today, living how you live and where we live and how we live, what we're doing. Shocked. Yeah. I'm sure my mother remembers my, our, my great-grandmother getting on to her for having vanilla extract in the house. <laughs> I'm telling you, she was a part of the women's temperance movement. She said, you got that liquor in your house. Remember that, Grandma Lou? She got on to you for having the vanilla in the house. Oh, man. Yeah, that was a major thing. Absolutely. Come a long way, haven't we? Yeah. Discouragement. We're not going to finish this today. We've got a long way to go. I'm going to show you this here. The paralysis of fear leads to isolation. It leads to discouragement. But secondly, the proving of faith. Let me say this. Faith is not self-confidence. Faith is not self-confidence. Oh, I'm, I feel great about myself. You can have faith when you feel terrible about yourself. You can live in faith when you've messed it all up. You can stick a, put a stake in the ground and say, from here on out, I'm going to live by faith because obviously I am where I am because I haven't been living by faith, right? Isn't it a wonderful thing? You, what you have done doesn't determine whether from here on out you live by faith, and that's a great thing. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So what is faith? Well, faith is just simply listening to what God says and do it. Believe it, right? If you really believe it, you'll do it. I don't, I don't want to take too much time there. But doing is connected to believing. Believing is connected to doing. We don't do what we ought to do because really we don't believe it. No, that's, that's usually, that's, if you just get right down to it, we don't believe it. We don't really believe it. And so, or at least there's an element of belief that we have, but it doesn't get internalized as deeply as it ought to be. And so when God first called Gideon, he responded with, with doubt. He responds with some reservation. He saw no qualification in himself to be the deliverer of, his, of Israel. I don't know how many testimonies you hear of pastors, of missionaries, that said, boy, God called and I said, uh-uh. I, I failed speech in, in college. I failed uh, because I refused to do speeches. I, I did this. I, you know, they have all, you've heard them all, these, these lists of things. And you know, you know what's wonderful? We don't have to, there's, to live by faith requires no dependence on ourself. I love that. That's liberating. It absolutely, well, I can't knock on a door. I can't tell somebody about Jesus. I can't ask anybody if, they're, if, they, if they were to die today, if they know whether they go to heaven or hell. I can't do that. No, you can't. No, you can't. But if you would go out by faith, you could. Because it'd be Him in you that's doing it. See, faith, watch, faith, faith uh, puts you into isolation. Faith brings and leads you to discouragement and to disillusionment to where you get just kind of huddled around your own little life. It's not self-confidence. Verse 14 and 15. Look at Judges 6, 14 and 15. And the Lord looked upon him and said, Go in this thy might... Thy might? What? 
And thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have not I sent thee? And he said unto him, O my Lord, wherewithal shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. We know this scene. You've read this many times. I know you have. He's hiding in fear, threshing wheat, scared of the Midians. And God comes to him. The angel of the Lord comes to him. The Lord Jesus Christ comes to him and says, Go in this thy might. He calls him a mighty man of valor while he's hiding. Yeah. Do you think God knows something that Gideon didn't know? Amen. Hey, do you think God knows something about you that you don't, may not know? Yeah. What, hey, why is God so certain of Gideon's ability? Because God is certain of his ability. Listen, and if you're walking in faith, you're walking in his ability. And God can say of us the very same thing that he says of Gideon. Just do what he's told you to do. Gideon questions him, right? Just like, just like Moses, are you sure? I can't do this, I can't do that, I can't speak. Judge, look at verse 16. The Lord said unto him, surely I will be with thee. And thou shalt smite the Midianites as one man. Do you, hey, do you think if God sets down a, a, a decree, do you, think it's gonna, do you think he's right? Do you think the all-knowing God knows what he's talking about? Do you think there's ever a time when God goes, ooh, I might have stepped too far on that, on that decree. <laughs> right? I might have overstepped that one. I don't think he does this, does he? I think he knows exactly what he's talking about. Right? Absolutely. Why well, the Apostle Paul said, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. How, how do we do that? Live by faith. It's not self-confidence. Not at all. It's not self-confidence. Faith is God-confidence. Faith is God-confidence. And watch this. When you're confident in God, it's easier to obey. If you're confident in yourself, you're never going to obey. Because you know you. <laughs> right? Our confidence is in Him. And when our confidence is in Him, we can live a life of obedience. You know, you know how many troops they mustered up? Israel did? 32,000. One-sixth of the Midianite army. 32,000 was it. One-sixth. Yeah. It's pretty big, wasn't it? If you notice here, chapter 7, verse 3. Now, therefore, go to proclaim in the ears of the people, saying, Whosoever is fearful and afraid, let him return and depart early from Mount Gilead. And there returned to the people twenty and two thousand, and there remained ten thousand. Wait a minute. They started with thirty-two thousand, one-sixth of the Midianite army, and now they're down to ten thousand. This isn't looking good, right? Yeah. You say, well, I don't know if God... No, don't we live our life this way sometimes? Well, I don't know. It's like, well, now the circumstances have changed. Maybe I shouldn't obey. Maybe I'm off the hook. Maybe, maybe God didn't really mean this. Do you think God wasn't aware of the circumstances? Do you think maybe God wasn't aware and, wait, wasn't instrumental in bringing that army down to 10,000? <laughs> yes, he was. Yes, he was. Notice this. Verse 6. There are still too many soldiers. <laughs> what? 
Look at verse 6. And the number of them that lapped putting their hand to their mouth were 300 men. But all the rest of the people bowed down upon their knees to drink water. And the Lord said unto Gideon, By thee, three hundred men that lapped will I save you, and deliver the Midianites into thine hand, and let all the other people go every man unto his place. If God be for us, who can be against us? Three hundred. From 32,000, he got rid of 31,700. And he said, I'll, I like what God says, I'll beat him with this. You'll, right? You, you will be saved by 300. Yeah. It's incredible, it is. But with God, all things are possible. Do we believe that? Hey, listen, that, that'll draw you out of your discouragement. That'll, draw, that'll, that'll bring you out of your, your, your dead gaze into society that you're stunned watching, right? It'll bring you out of that. Absolutely will. Faith is God confidence. Without faith, it is impossible to please Him, right? For they, they that come to God must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. God saw Gideon's potential. What was Gideon's potential, right? He's referred to as a mighty man of valor. What's his potential? His potential, listen, Gideon's potential is, is, is found in is connected to, hinges upon, rests in his obedience. The more obedient he is, watch, the more potential Gideon has. The more obedient you and I are, the more potential we have. See, I could never do that. Obey. I, I, could, never, I could never reach that person. Obey. Faith is God-confident, not self-confidence. And thirdly, God, God saw Gideon's potential. He blessed Gideon's faith. Gideon didn't go home with 300 and go, okay, I'm out. See, you, find somebody else. He said, okay. <laughs> this is it. Hey, listen, listen closely. 50,000 people at least to reach. <coughs> and a handful. What's your confidence in? If your confidence is in each and individual of Crimson Avenue Baptist Church, no, we won't reach the surrounding area. But if our, listen, but if our, and some people do this, I'm telling you, they go, well, we don't have enough. Well, we can't do this. Well, you know, I'm too old. I'm too this. I'm too that. So you go in isolation, you stay home, and you don't do anything. Why? Because your confidence is in self. If your confidence would be in God, and what do he say? Go in the highways and the hedges, compel them to come in, that my house may be full. If we could be God confident and just what? Say, well, I trust you. I believe you. I don't know how it's going to work, but I'm going to go out and do what you said. You know what will happen? It'll, your faith turns to God, to God confidence, right? And you'll end up doing with a few what you didn't think was possible to do with a lot. Yeah. He spoke the universe into existence, people. <laughs> and he's told us to go, out the, to, to, to go out and the onus of the gospel is upon us to reach the world. Beginning here and in Ju Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and under the uttermost part of the world. Listen, the only reason you don't reach your community is a faith problem. It's a belief problem. It's an obedience problem. And if you're going to live there, you're going to live a life of isolation and you're going to live a life of discouragement. The only way to get out of discouragement and isolation 
and the drudgery of just gazing into society. The only way to get out of that is to live a life of obedience and do what he's told you to do. Well, I, I, I just, I, I don't think that works. Fine. Live in your blah life. Sorry. Live in fear. Live in discouragement. It's your choice. <laughs> right? Just have at it. He's, God's not going to make you. And I'm telling you, some of the most confident people, some of the most joyful people, some of the most exciting people to be around, most wonderful people, most optimistic people, are those that are not confident in themselves, but they're confident in God, and they live a life of obedience. That's a faith life. Listen, if, if, you, if we can't live, learn to live that way, and God's bringing these things into our life so we'll learn to live this way. He brings the trials, right? He's bringing the, the things that we don't like. He's bring, why? So we can learn to be confident on Him and not ourselves. And listen, the people that He wants us to help in our life will never get there if we don't get there. Right? I don't know if that making sense or not. Makes sense to me. So, what's the, what are we getting to tonight? today? Let me just finish with this and we'll be done. Fear has paralysis. Right, and uh, God will bring us through a proving of our faith, whether we're going to be obedient in spite of the circumstances. And when we respond to Him in obedience, God provides for the faithful. He's going to provide wisdom to Gideon. He's going to provide a tenacity. Tenacity. Right. The wicked flee when no man pursueth, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. Tenacity. Amen. How do you, how, you say, I want to live that life. Trust Him. Obey Him. Believe Him. Just do what you're told. Right? Even when it doesn't make sense, just keep doing what you've been told to do. God is wanting to use you in somebody's life. And we've got to get this down. We've got to learn. We've got to learn to help live victorious when the circumstances are shocking. Father, thank you today. Would you help us? You drive this into our heart and our mind by the Holy Spirit. We're thankful, Lord, that our, our, our ability and our confidence is not in us, Lord, but it's in Thee. That is liberating. It really is. Thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Ooh, we got a few minutes. Amen.